Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of Internal Budget. Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Cents.com, here with you, asking you to like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all those little things that go a long way and are greatly appreciated. Before we get to today's amazing guests, we have a quick announcement. The Ottawa Gatineau Youth Foundation, who you may formally know, as the Ottawa Senators Foundation. They are doing Senza Palooza. It is a locker room sale and auction of over 600 Ottawa Senators branded items. We're talking signed jerseys, sticks, pucks, photographs, and everything in between, with all proceeds going towards helping youth in the Ottawa Gatineau area. So not only can you be the star of your Christmas gift giving, or get a little something something for yourself and what's been a rough year, you deserve it, but you get to help out the community that has given so much to us and that we all know and love. But hurry, because this is only going on until Wednesday, December 9th at noon. Make sure you go to ogyf.givesmart.com. The link will be in the description. And get your Sense Collectibles and help out the Ottawa Gatineau Youth Foundation. My guests today, they need no introduction. They rarely do but I'm going to give them one anyway. For my money, they are the best Ottawa Senators podcast out there. They have interviewed everybody from the scouting community to previous Sens players to guys like, oh, I don't know, uh, Tim Stutzla. You may have heard of them. They host the Locked On Senators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Ross Levitan. It is Brandon Piller. Please enjoy. the show today it is the boys who are pioneers in terms of the twitter hashtag game as well as the ottawa senators podcast game you know them you know them well it is the locked on senators boys part of the locked on podcast network ross levitan brandon pillar how are we doing today fellas doing fantastic mackie it's a long time coming we had you on it ours a, a few weeks maybe a month ago now but a uh, pleasure to be here on the internal budget yeah, I think it was a couple months ago now. Eh, Pilsy? Yeah, it I must think it's be, been a while. Yeah, it's it's been a while. And anytime you can get a Brandon Brandon Sense collab, exactly. I'm always down. <laughs> Haley Salvian said it all, said it best. Too many mats, too many Brandons on Sense Twitter. Uh, yeah. but yeah, boys, it's good to have you. Um, I figured we should address the ele- elephant in the room before we start talking some Nodak hockey and some Ottawa Senators. Uh, obviously the other day against Miami, by the time people listen to this, uh, and UND will probably have played three or four games, but, uh, against Miami, Jacob Bernard Docker, Jasper Weatherby took a knee for the national anthem. Um, obviously kind of a controversial move. Uh, and I don't want to delve too much into it because this is something I think we've both talked about, you know, ad nauseum at this point. I don't know what's left to be said about it by now. Uh, I just want to commend those two guys for their courage and doing what they did. Um, it's not an easy thing to do to put yourself out there like that, especially as a young hockey player and especially in a place like North Dakota. Uh, so I, I, you guys can give your thoughts on it as well, but I really just wanted to give those two boys a shout out because that's awesome. 
Yeah, we always call him JBD. So we started off our intro saying a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T for JBD just to continue the the line of letters there. But honestly, yeah, not an easy thing to do for those young guys who mentioned the Dakota is very right leaning. So uh, you know there's going to be blowback. So shout out to both of them. And then what do they do? They each have a solid first couple games. Jasper Weatherby putting the, the go-ahead goal in last night from when we're recording uh, against Denver. And then JBD had an, uh, just a casual classic jbd outing so you know that it wasn't uh, something that hindered their performance and it's something that means a lot to them so yeah shout out to both those guys yeah and i think a big thing here too is like und they had that whole mitchell miller situation right which doesn't look good on a program but then to show that that's not that doesn't really color the whole team right like there's there's guys on that team that really do care that really are trying to make a change in their community and jbd and his teammate are showing that and like you said brandon it takes courage to do that like to be the two guys on the team that are doing that on basically national television like that's it takes a lot of courage so good for them for really getting educated and doing what they think is right yeah especially as one of the biggest college programs in the country and let's talk some UND. Uh, let's talk some hockey. Jake Sanderson had a goal and assist against Denver. Shane Pinto had two assists against Miami. The Senators boys have been showing out. Uh, not that this was totally unexpected. And like you mentioned, Ross, JBD had a classic couple JBD outings, just super steady in both ends of the ice, strong on the puck, not making any mistakes. And Tyler Clevin has been surprising people as well with some nice physical performances, a couple big hits and making things happen in the offensive zone as well. Uh, and getting some good shots on goal. So, Pilsy, why don't we start with you? Who's been the most impressive NODAC senator so far? It's got to be Jake Sanderson for me. I mean, that that power play goal, before, before I praise Sanderson too much, both those assists on that power play goal were perfect. The spinorama pass back to the point, and then I forget which defenseman it was, but he did a fake shot pass and teed up Sanderson and... People saying they're not sure if Sanderson could bring the offense. Well, what do you think now? That was an absolute bomb of a one-timer for the power play. And then, like, sure, the goal was amazing, but I think his assist was even more amazing. This is the kind of play you get from a guy like Jake Sanderson. Smart with the puck in any zone. He's all alone in the corner. Four Denver players attack him, and he's calm with the puck. He doesn't just chip it around the boards to get rid of it and go for a quick change. He waits for a play. He waits for the rest of his team to come and hits his defense with a perfect pass. And then that results in a goal. So I think Jake Sanderson to me has been the most impressive and he's really showing people who thought, why are the Sens reaching on this guy, picking at him at number five? He's the best defenseman in the draft. Now you're seeing it. And we know that the fundamentals are there on the defensive end, but can you take a better one-timer walking into it? He slid perfectly into it. The form was awesome. It went in and then how about the Sally to boot? What an awesome way to celebrate your first career NCAA goal. Yeah, it was just gross. And we were talking about this before the show, but uh, Shane Pinto last night against Denver, 18-0 and 0 on the faceoff dot. That is absurd. Uh, he had two assists against Miami as well. Another guy who uh, was regarded as a reach, but when you look at their performances last night, uh, it wasn't really that much different from Bobby Brink, a guy who a lot of people... Um, wanted the senators to take but they didn't uh how has pinto struck you so far ross like is is are you, is this a guy you're looking at as he's going to be a player well very much so and i took a little heat and we put up maybe the most lopsided poll in twitter history when i said who are you most excited for down year five years down the road is it josh norris or is it shane pinto 
it was 91% Josh Norris, but I, I'm in the minority there. I think Shane Pinto has the ability to be a special player. He has the he has this underrated size too. He's 6'3 already. He's gonna grow into that frame. He's that vaunted right shot that you don't often see play up the middle. And the Sens have so many left shot centermen in their system, including hopefully Stutzla one day. But you add that different look with the right shot, and hopefully he can fill in in that top six role. And if he can, if him and Norris can be a, a 2A, 2B situation. I think that the Sens are in really good shape. So you you mentioned the face-off dot, and that's just the culmination of his game. We had Pat Micheletti, a former Hobie Baker finalist on our show, and, and said it best. He said, he's a guy you want out there in the last minute of a game, whether you're up a goal or down a goal. I don't think there's a better compliment you can give a centerman. I'd be in total agreement there. Uh, and, and it's really funny when you talk about the center situation. Uh, I still think I am leaning towards Josh Norris in, in, your, in regards to your poll, just because, you know, we've seen a little bit more at the pro side so far. Um, you know, 50 plus points in the AHL is different than a really good season in college. Not saying Pinto's not going to get to that level, obviously, but it's just he's just a little further ahead right now. And if you have a center core that is Stutzla, uh, Josh Norris, Shane Pinto and whoever at fourth line, right? Like a Colin White or a Logan Brown or whoever. How about Mark Kastelich is yeah, an Mark underrated Kastelich. guy? Yeah, I'm a big Mark Kastelich fan. I've been a fan of that pick since day one. Uh, as far as the UND team as a whole goes, uh, how have they struck you through two games so far? I don't want. To, I know it's early and it's hard to kind of make uh, real assessments about what the season's going to look like. But Pilsy, is this a team that's going to compete for a national championship? Not only do I think they're going to compete, Brandon, I think they're the favorite. Like, <laughs> oh, there we go. But like, let's let's look at the talent on this team. Like, it's incredible. Anytime you're one of your top centermen goes 18 and 0 on the faceoff dot, they've been out shooting their opponents every time, even when it comes to like, sure, Miami, maybe that's not uh, uh, even ranked opponent, but up against Denver, they were controlling that game for a lot of the game, at least the first two periods, they were in control of that game. And everyone's living up to expectations. Like all the Sens prospects on UND, they're all doing kind of what we expect them to do. And then you get some surprises from guys we don't really know um, on UND that aren't Sens prospects that are also stepping up. So I really think that this team has a chance to do something special here. And Shane Pinto and JBD said it last season. They had unfinished business. They were not happy that that season got canceled because they they really wanted to go all the way and they felt they could. And I don't see why with adding Sanderson, Clevin, and other guys to this team, why they can't win it all this season. And Ross, the team as a whole has looked pretty damn good. Pilsy was mentioning that uh, there are some players that have even been surprising us. Are there any unsigned players that you want the Sens to look at? Uh, I've been a big fan of Jordan Kawaguchi. The captain obviously uh, had the overtime winner against Denver. Matt Kirstead on the blue line has looked phenomenal. Who are some guys that you think the Senators should be looking at uh, as some college free agents? Well, up front, the two guys I'm looking at, they're both undersized forwards. So you always wonder how that'll translate to the pro game. But not only Jordan Kawaguchi and talk about his hands in tight on that overtime goal. And it's something we've seen time after time. There's a highlight pack before the season, including he went between the legs and and uh, not not a Thomas Hurdle fashion on a breakaway, but it was his only option to get a puck on net. He was straddling the goal line. So he is unreal at getting the puck upstairs in a hurry. But I look at Shane Pinto's right winger, Reese Gaber, the uh, the Minnesota or Manitoba native, sorry. And he he had a goal in his first game. He's just a little energy bug out there. I, I love what I saw from him. Like I said, he's five foot eight freshman and he's a 20 year old freshman. So we'll see on that one. But 
early returns are showing me that that this kid can play too and I love kind of the the makeup of Nodak like they're a big team they get in on the four check you can tell that Brad Berry was a very defensive minded coach he wants that puck possession he wants you to go d to d and they just play so structured I, I don't see how any team can can match them uh, anywhere on this season so I'm with Pilsy I think that they're the favorite and hands down favorite on this uh, on this NCHC season who are some who are some guys that you want the sense to look at Pilsy yeah, I would definitely, I would say uh, Matt Kierstad looked really good there. Um, it's crazy that this is a guy who's been a good defenseman at UND for a while and he's gone undrafted. I think he's got a lot to prove here in, I think it's his senior year, right? Yeah, so, he, so, yeah. Yeah, so he's got a lot to prove here. And I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if teams start taking a look at him. Like <laughs> the Ottawa Senators included, Pierre Dorian sees another defenseman that he hasn't collected at UND and he might just have to snatch him up. But I think it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Senators dip their pool into dip their foot into the prospect pool at uh, UND anymore. But uh, I, I wouldn't be upset if they did because Coach Brad Berry runs such a tight ship there, and it seems like all his players excel there. Well, how mm-hmm. many left shot defensemen do you really need? So I I'd go if I'm going defenseman, I go Ethan Frisch, Sanderson's D partner. He's the one who teed him up for that one timer and also that wrister from the point. How about the confidence like off that Jake Sanderson play to just take a wrister, no traffic in front from that far out and he beat the goalie clean. So, you know, I really like what I saw from him and he's a sophomore. So maybe a couple of years younger, you have that a little bit more of a developmental curve, but really when you get someone out of the UND program, you're getting a pro, you're getting a guy who Definitely. knows how to play the right way. And that's why Pierre Dorian on the sense, keep going back. Yeah. And I think with regards to the left-handed defenseman thing, where I might disagree with you a little Ross is if you can, if you can get talented players, get them right. Like the worst that happens is Kirstead doesn't outperform a guy like Willannon or Branstrom and you trade him or you cut bait with him. Uh, the, th- the thing is for a team like the senators uh, who wants to compete in the next few years, you're going to need a lot of guys on, you know, either entry-level deals or cheap first few deals. So with guys like Willannon uh, due for a payday soon, guys like Brandstrom are going to be due for a payday soon. If you can get a Matt Kierstead at uh, on an entry-level deal and he can play, then you're set, right? And it sets you for if things don't pan out with one of your other prospects. Do you kind of agree with that? Or do you still think it's one of those things where the senators are set on left defense and really they are, they've got a ton of talent there uh, focus on other areas. Well, it's also a situation where who can play the right side. I know a lot of the talk's been about Branstrom maybe being able to, to play that off wing. And I mean, for his style of game, I think it would work, but I don't know. It's just not the area I'd focus on. I think right defense, right wing, those are the sides on the depth chart where you really want to add. And that's why I said Reese Gaber as well, right winger up up front and same with Jordan Kawaguchi. So I think in terms of depth, the, the left side's pretty sad. And like you even go down to the one way Belleville guys. Like I actually really like Hubert Labrie. I really like Jonathan Asperot and you have those, those fill in guys. So I just don't know how Kierstad would be able to come in and supplant those guys right away. Whereas if he goes somewhere else that's thinner, he's going to have more of an opportunity. So from Kierstad's camp, I would probably avoid Ottawa just as much as the other way. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And look, this has been awesome. I mean, we're talking some hockey in the middle of December, which is kind of a weird thing in 2020, funnily enough. But yeah, UND getting back in action. It's been a nice change of pace. Uh, We've been kind of starved for Sens content aside from the draft. I know you guys have as well. It's been well documented that it's been, what, 260 some days now since the Senators last played a game. 
uh, what strategies have you been using to keep producing new segments and keep the listeners engaged? Belzy? Well, no, I'll let uh, King of Content uh, Ross take over <laughs> here. That's uh, that's all him for sure. No, well, we just it's all about just sending emails and trying to get interesting people you feel like can add insight to the show uh, on. So you take a little storyline and you try to blow it up as, as big as possible. And uh, I think that we've done a good job of that. And I mean, we have to credit our our guests as well. Um, I'm lucky because I work at TSN 1050. I have a bit of a Rolodex with, uh, that's how we were able to get noodles on. I mean, his wife's basically my boss and, and mentor. So uh, for, for little things like that, I mean, it really helps. Um, I've also, I mean, I've just been a day one sense fan. So I have all these dates that, that when I remember, if I remember a game or something, I'll Google it and I'll just put it in my calendar. I'll write it down. So that way, and I'll put it repeating every year. So that way I'll wake up, I'll look and it's like, Oh, 15 years ago, this game happened. Let's, let's break that down. And, th- and there's a segment. And I mean, nostalgia is always a fun thing to tap into whether, I mean, one of our most uh, engaged tweets ever was just saying, name a more random Ottawa Senator with a picture of David Legwand. And there's just little things where people can, can really think for themselves and kind of contribute something as well. It makes them feel part of it. I think that that's a real key in, uh, in engagement through this long period. I think I yeah. replied Oleg Saprik into that one. Sorry, Pilsy, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no worries. My my pick was Mike Commodore for most obscure sends with the red afro. I absolutely love that. Um, but I just want to comment on what Ross said too. You, like it's without hockey in so long, having a daily send show, it has been tough. But the one thing, sure, maybe there's not sends hockey going on, but the sends community is alive and well. And that's what we're trying to tap into. Like we're trying to, we're trying to make this about the community as a whole and have different guests on like we we had gerard shaw uh, the father of logan shaw president of cape breton eagles we've had rachel dory a great great woman in hockey who's who's really uh setting standards for like opportunities that young girls can have in this industry we've had so many different voices on the pod that just makes it so interesting and and just adds to the community of sends hockey and and i think that's what's been the most fun about this is having all those different voices because a daily send show like ross and i our opinions our takes they get old and you don't want to hear them all the time so we try to get fresh different uh ideas and opinions on the show and that's what's made it fun and that's what's made it last so well yeah, 35 guests since the Sens last played a game, which, and that's not even counting, I mean, yourself included, all the yeah. awesome Sens Central citizens where they kind of share their story and give their take on what's going on. Because sometimes, and I remember as well, like starting out, even before I met Pilsy at, at the College of Sports Media, I was just a, a 25 follower account on Twitter and nobody gave a crap what I said, but I still had takes. So we want to kind of amplify that now that we have a bit of a platform and uh, whether you have two followers or 2000, doesn't matter to us. Your, your take's still valid and uh, it, it creates arguments. It creates some, some good banter. And that's what it's all about is just kind of uh, going on this ride. And I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, Brandon, I should say Mackie, I need to be clear on this pod, although <laughs> Pills is pretty, pretty cemented there, but uh, Mackie, would you agree that this is the perfect time for a rebuild? So much roster uncertainty. You can really plug and play. Like you could make, 10 episodes out of what should the Sens lineup be next yeah. year. And none of them would be wrong. No. Yeah. It, it, there's so much, there's never been an opening for more discourse in, with regards to what the projected lineup can look like. Uh, I, I don't recall. I mean, I'm like you, I've, I've been a fan of this team for as long as I can remember. And I don't recall a time where there were this many exciting young players that were ready to make the jump, or at least looking like they were, you know, 
in, in that ballpark of being ready to make the jump. So, yeah, and I think that has fueled uh, the interest in the team, right? I mean, I think I've gotten up by like a thousand followers in the last year or something. I'm like, what are you people doing? <laughs> Why are you following me? Follow someone smart. Uh, but yeah, and that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, is it harder to do a guest-based show, you think? Because I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, what I'm doing, you know, if I have a few guests in a row, and I'm finding, I'm like, okay, I can't really come up with a guest that's going to have an interesting angle for me, or I'm just not, I just don't have the energy to do a full interview. Uh, it, you know, I can do a solo episode or kind of rock by myself for a week. Do you find it harder to kind of be doing new guests every week or, or is that the fun part for you? Is that like, do you find it, it makes life easier? It's the fun part. And it's something where usually on the weekend, we'll record two or three interviews and then we cut them up usually part two, like right after we record. So on Monday's show, we're going to have Dennis Bonvi play 12 games for the Sens, but these fighters, they're always interesting. And, you know, I see him active on social media. So you just shoot him a DM and, and it's crazy how the hockey community, they're always happy to help. Like um, Pat Micheletti, another example, this guy doesn't, he just sees a, a pigeon Sens account follow him. This guy's in Minnesota doing a, a podcast on college hockey and <laughs> doing a daily radio show. He follows us right back and he's like, yeah, 15 minutes later, we're interviewing him. So it's just the, the hockey community, you can't say enough good things. And I'm sure Pilsy agrees. This is probably our favorite part of the podcast in general. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and that's where it's nice. I think uh, we have a great advantage, like Ross said, uh, being involved in the radio industry, having all these contacts and people available. And, and it's nice, like, when you start getting all these guests, like the amount of guests we've had is crazy. And the guests kind of know you through each other. Like we talk to someone yeah. like, especially the players, like when we talk to Igor Sokolov and he's like, yeah, Drake, Drake told me about you guys. Like, yeah, wow. I, I know you guys like that kind of stuff is just, it's just really cool when you're kind of connected into the community. And yeah, like I said, the best part of our show that we love is just getting these different voices on because Ross and I, we, we're pretty set in our ways. Uh, Ross is a very optimistic guy. I'm a little more conservative and realistic. So when you get some fresh, different styles of opinions and it just makes it so much better and it adds cre credibility to the show, right? Like For if sure. I'm, if I'm talking about uh, preaching patience with Stutzla and everyone's like, no, 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 you got to get them in right away. Like who am I to say what's right or wrong? But then when you have different guests uh, saying the same things, it's kind of nice to justify your opinion and, uh, and add some credibility there. So that's the fun part of having guests along as well. Yeah. Let's talk about the Tim Stutzler interview, because I think that's one that everybody wants to know about. It's one I want to know about. I'm like, how the hell did that, like, those guys pull that off? Uh, you know, but yeah, uh, you know, first of all, I'm jealous, but more importantly, how did this come about? Uh, we were talking a little bit before about how it was kind of a wild goose chase for a little bit. Uh, so how did it come about where you guys got to interview Tim Stutzla and, and what was it like to have such a high profile guest? I mean, this is, that's as big as it gets, man. Good for you guys, like interviewing the future of the Ottawa Senators. So, so tell me a little bit about. Oh, well, it was, it was fun. We were just feeling, uh, I don't know if cocky is the right word, but we we're coming on in hot after our Igor, we chatted with him. Great guy, by the way, who, who doesn't cheer for Igor Sokolov. Yeah, absolutely. We had that, that Cape Breton themed week. And I was like, why don't we reach out to every single team that the Sens drafted a player from on 2020 and write an email saying, we want to introduce them to our market. And Hey, it looks good on the team as well, right? Like from Mannheim, Tim Stutzla. And now everyone's like, Oh man, he's talking about the fans in the crowd at Mannheim. It looks good on them too. So did we hear back from none, everybody? No, 
We couldn't get Philip Daoust, but we could get Tim Stutzla. So it's really just the luck of the draw, right? So you send an email and it took about four or five days. I'd actually forgotten about it. And then wake up one morning at 3.30 a.m. Because obviously you got the six-hour time change. Get an email back from Mannheim PR. And in the reply, they just gave me his number. He's like, here, text him. Figure out a time. Okay. From the day I got his number till we got him on the show was 19 days. He sent me four texts and I sent him 18 trying to get this figured out. And the last couple were like, okay, we had the date. It was going to be on Friday. Then I said, okay, awesome. And by the way, he signs off his text, grats, Timmy, which is just the cutest thing. <laughs> so he's uh, every, every message he got, I don't want it to get spun that, that he was being rude. Every message was so polite. Like I'm ready. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Like, just let me know when I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. But he was traveling too. Mannheim actually played the day before. So I totally get why he wasn't replying, but we were trying to lock down a time. And we said either 9 a.m. or 2 p.m. So 9 a.m. went by. Then 2 p.m. We're inching closer and closer. Hey, just want to confirm nothing. So I said, Pilsy, I'm just going to start a Zoom and I'm going to send him the link and let's hope. So I hadn't heard from him in two days. We send him the link one minute later. I'll be there. So I don't know if that's going to be the, the slogan for, for Tim Stutzla, maybe at the doorstep, I'll be there just for tap-ins uh, when he makes it to the jump to Ottawa. But hey, he hopped on with us. He was more than gracious. Pilsy showed him uh, the, the 2D Sens jersey he has with the umlaut on the U. He loved that. And uh, yeah, it was just awesome. So it's funny how these things come about. And uh, we were prepared the night before. So we knew that that we were ready and we would have been really disappointed had it not happened. So uh, good, good on Timmy. And honestly, that the kind of the message here, or the uh, if you could learn anything is shoot. Like if you don't shoot, then it wouldn't happen. So yeah. uh, we've got a few more in in the the chamber that if they come through would honestly surprise me. But <laughs> that's it. You just get the ball rolling, and uh, one thing leads to another for sure. So yeah, Timmy, great guy, and this guy's gonna be an awesome senator. Yeah, one thing I can tell you for sure is I'll be there. Is gonna be the title of this episode. Pilsy, what struck you most about Tim uh, personality-wise that you maybe weren't expecting? Like, you know, we've all seen the interviews and everything. He seems like a great kid, really down to earth. But what was one of the things where you walked away kind of maybe even a little taken aback by him? Just his positive attitude, Brandon. Like, it's it's crazy. This guy, like like Ross said, busy guy. Like, trying to trying to get a time that worked was tough. He's traveling. He's doing rehab. He's He's got uh, doctor's appointments. All this kind of stuff. Media, other media uh, appointments. And he made it work. And, you know, he wasn't, like, annoyed or short with us. He just had such a positive attitude. And the maturity of a guy his age going through what he's going through. Like, big deal being third overall pick. You're expected to come over to Ottawa. You're a young kid on a pro team that's got to mix in with all these veteran guys. And he just, he handles it all so well. He's so poised. Like we even had a couple questions where we asked him, Tim, who, who should we be looking out for on team Germany? Like who's one guy you can tell us that's really interesting that we don't know about. And immediately he's like, I don't want to single anyone out. We got a great team. All these guys are great. You know, like just, just kind of those, those pro answers that he already has ready for such a young kid. Like I think Sens fans are just going to love this guy. Like he's going to be like a Brady Kachuk character guy that we have pictures of him smiling on the ice. He's joking around at practice and the, the, they're just going to fall in love with him. And it was just 
it was so cool. I wish we kind of messed up Ross with not recording when I showed him the Jersey. Cause he was so happy. And he, I think that might've truly been the first time he saw a Sens Jersey with the umlaut on it. And he was surprised and he was like, Oh man, that's awesome. That's, that's what I love to see. So when you can have that kind of, kind of connection, it was just really cool. And I'm excited for Sens fans to get to see more of this guy. And I'm glad we got to kind of uh, showcase what Timmy Stutz is like for this market. Cause there's a lot more good things to come. Yeah, I always wait until both episodes. So we obviously did it as a two-parter just to mm. stretch it out. No uh, <laughs> surprise there, but after the second one, I'll always send a thank you and shout out to Tim too. He re uh, reposted it on his Instagram story. We got up to the third top hockey podcast in Germany, which I think was pretty unexpected, but yeah. um, you, you look at, at the at the end of that just being cool enough to to do that little tag for us saying i'm tim stutzla you're listening to locked on senators and he's just he's just got this lightheartedness about it he kind of mixed up his words a couple times saying that so i I typed it out in the chat just uh just an awesome guy to be around and it's too bad like this is going to be the longest that anyone's gone in years i would imagine where a player gets drafted and then doesn't play a game at all so Sens fans, I'm sure, have exhausted their options of the Tim Stutzla highlight reels on YouTube. But the beauty of it is, Mackie, three more weeks and we'll see him on the ice there for Team Germany. I cannot wait to see him on the ice at the World Juniors and I cannot wait to see him on the ice in Ottawa. I am so excited to watch this kid play. Uh, you know, I've, you know, I was a Quinton Byfield guy going into the draft. I don't think that's Sudbury uh, guy. Yeah, Sudbury guy. You know, it's I got I got to represent the hometown. But no, like he's he's really excited me. Like getting Tim Stetzel was not something I was disappointed in. And so far, I mean, I have no indications that I'm wrong on that front. In terms of overall coverage of the team, you guys have been super positive uh, over the last few months. And that's not a criticism. I think it's a good thing. Um, but it's something you've maybe been a little criticized for. People have kind of gone back at you on Twitter for. Uh, in terms of the positivity around the team, and, and we'll start with you, Ross, because I think you've been a little bit more, uh, a little more stronger on the positivity front. Is this something you've made a conscious effort to do? Is it a thing where you've looked at it and said, look, there's enough negativity. I want to get people excited. Or have you just been that excited about the team? Because nobody could blame you. I mean, even I've been a little more, a little more positive over the last year or so. So, so why don't you tell me a little bit from that perspective? Like, is this something that locked on has made a conscious effort to do, or has it just been an organic reaction to the state of the Ottawa senators? Well, that's a great question, Mackie. And I'll start by saying that I run the Twitter account at Send Central, which uh, leans to a lot of the positivity there. Whereas Pilsy said, I'm usually uh, always happy-go-lucky and Pilsy's more the realist. So He's like, don't I think, I think if, with this. <laughs> yeah, I think if I gave Pilsy the login, maybe uh, that narrative might change a little bit. But I also think that Pilsy and I have a little bit of a, a different view being able to, to work in Belleville like we did the last two years. Coming out of uh, College of Sports Media, we were both at TSN before Pilsy retired up to Collingwood pretty much um but it, it was great we basically used it as a day off like we, we we would break even when I got my number eight combo at Wendy's and I had well maybe twice two stops each way it was like 180 kilometers each way but to see the young talent that Ottawa had was worth every single one of those drives and watching Drake come in and dominate in his first year and we, we still haven't seen that every day at the NHL level so I think the sky's the limit for guys like him and but in more of a general term, we, we, we addressed all the, the negativity in our Festivus show. And we kind of said, hey, the draft, it was the day before the draft. We did like, you know, how in Seinfeld, it was like the day before Christmas. It's yes, an airing of, of grievances. So <laughs> we went through the timeline from 
from the game seven, damn you, Chris Kunitz, all the way to whatever the most recent Eugene Melnick interview probably was before Bob McGowan, of course, that one was actually pretty good, but I mean, by Eugene Melnick standards, it was yes, exactly. By his standards. That's very fair to say. And, but it's just one of those things. It's a reality of the situation. Like the owner's not going anywhere. So you can bitch and moan, sure, but or you can just look at it and say, there's an exciting opportunity for a five-year run here before you have to worry about big contracts. And why not just get excited about it? I mean, I don't follow hockey to hate it. I follow it because I enjoy it. Would I love to see Mark Stone out there helping groom these young players? Hell yeah, but he ain't walking through that door. So I just think it's a bit more of just a realistic approach. And it's what you have to do if you want to enjoy every minute of being a sense fan. And it's not to say that you can't be a sense fan your own way. If if you want to make up mocks of, of rosters that are very different by all means, go ahead. But I think it's more just an approach that I take in in everyday life, but I also, I use hockey to, to enjoy it. So if the talent wasn't there, if this was a 2011 rebuild where you're not really seeing too much youth come in, you know, you make a big trade, you get back Corey Conacher. There's no Corey Conickers in the sense system right now. There's a hell of a lot of talent. And isn't that the most fun part of hockey, watching the development of young players? So instead of every time I hear Josh Norris's name, thinking about Eric Carlson, I'm just going to think about what Josh Norris brings to the table. And I think that that's, that's just how I've done it. And I love that Pillsy keeps me honest a little bit too. So I'm not head in the clouds too much. That's why the dynamic works well, but I'm genuinely excited about the future. Maybe not this year, but starting in 2021-22, I think it's going to be a, a hell of a hockey team. So, yeah, I think to, I hope that answered your question because I understand there's pushback. And sometimes I, I get I call it the Pillsy. I say, "Oops, I, I rolled in the mud a little bit on Twitter today." But hey, we it, it's uh, what's hockey and sport if there's not good dialogue and good arguments as well. So we try to keep it respectful. So I hope so most of the time. But hey, it, it's all in the discourse, and I'm sure Pillsy's rolling his eyes at that one. No, no, that's, that's fine. And so sometimes I do got to rain Ross in a little, but uh, that that's, that's why this works. And I want to touch on uh, part of your question, uh, Brandon, where you said, is this something that like locked on has really pushed and you guys are always thinking about trying to push positivity or is it, is it organic? I can, I can tell you as honestly as I can, we're all organic. We don't have any sort of uh, narrative or motive or any sort of, um, you know, the company's not telling us to go any sort of way. We we do everything as passionate, as honest, and as forthcoming as as we can. And, you know, maybe it it's comes, Ross's confidence and positivity is a little too high and people are like, okay, calm down a little. And maybe I, I'm a little too low sometimes and I have some unpopular opinions and people are like, come on, man, like just- Timmy just Stepan, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and hey, we'll, 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 take, we'll take the heat. Like we're not, sure. uh, we don't do a daily sends podcast to be sheltered and to have people just like all our stuff. That's fine. We, like Ross said, we want some discourse. We want, Ross wants to roll around in the mud on Twitter a little bit. How and, about that uh, Carlson tweet last week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all three San Jose fans got mad at me. <laughs> it gets, it gets the people going. And, and that's the thing we're trying to, we're trying to have some fun with this in an honest way. There's good times, there's bad times. And I think when you're looking at a lot of the stuff, uh, maybe certain situations, there's negative things that the senators do and people may think like, Oh, these guys are just putting a positive spin on this. What we're trying to do is we're trying to look at it from a viewpoint, like, okay, here's how the fans see this. Maybe it's disappointing. Like let's say Tyler Clevin's great example. 
myself, I was disappointed when they traded up to draft Tyler Clevin. I thought there was better players available, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we air that out, let people know that, but then let's try to think, why are the senators doing this? Why would a professional hockey team have a team full of guys scouting and they're picking a guy that we don't think is very good. Let's try to focus on that. Let's try to find those positive angles, why the senators would want to do that. And we do that with um, like the big mean defenseman, that got, big mean defenseman that got uh, brought into Ottawa, like Josh Brown, Erica Branson, uh, even Austin Watson. A lot of people had uh, kind of like, why are the Sens doing this? We're trying to figure it out from their viewpoint and try to spin some sort of positivity on that because these are people too. Like, sure, maybe on the ice there, they don't uh, perform the way you want, but there, there's more than just stats, graphs, numbers and stuff like there's character there's veteran experience there's stuff like this that we're trying to tap into so i think and yeah hopefully i answered the question here too that uh, we're trying to come about this as honest and as passionate as we can no definitely i, I think that's a great way of putting it and i think that uh for anyone who is doubting you guys i think that clears it up uh it definitely doesn't come across as forced um you guys do a really good job with that um i love the indiv individuality that you two bring um you know, even being a part of a network, um, which it, which can be difficult, I know, to kind of keep that sense of individuality. Uh, and you guys are, you are who you are, you know, it's very clearly Ross and Brandon doing the, lo the Locked On Senators podcast. Uh, and I think in terms of positivity and negativity, the way I kind of look at it is, I can't really blame people for feeling negative about the overall state of the organization, just based on what they've been through, right? Even Eugene Melnick acknowledges that this has been an unprecedented teardown of this team over the last few years. We've never seen a team trade the likes of Eric Carlson and Mark Stone and Matthew Shane, like all in one fell swoop, right? It's just been death by a thousand cuts for this fan base. Uh, but there are a lot of reasons for positivity. Like you said, um, there are a lot of reasons to be excited. Uh, it's like we mentioned before, uh, I, I don't think there's ever been a team that's had this much young talent ready to jump up, at least not in Ottawa Senators history. Guys like Brady Kachuk, you can't not be excited about Tim Stutzler. So I, I think that's more than fair. Uh, I would never stand to tell anyone how to be a fan. But I, I do think that there are people who look who look for the negativity. You know what I mean? It's like how how can this piss me off somehow? That this move that the Ottawa Senators just made, right? Like, well, what's funny too is we we do cover that, and I'm glad you said death by a thousand cuts because our episode after they traded to Zingle, Duchesne, and you'll have to remind me who's the third one in that. Was that the Stone? Yeah, Stone, it been yeah. the Stone one. Our episode was titled "Death by Three Thousand Cuts." So. <laughs> I mean, we like Pilsy said, we'll give our honest assessment right away, but then take a step back and say, okay, how does it fit from the sense perspective? Because believe it or yeah. not, there's a method to the madness. There is, for They're sure, not just yeah. throwing darts at an empty board with their eyes closed. Yeah, you can disagree with the moves they've made, especially for recently. Sure. But, but none of them are nonsense. You know what I mean? Like ah, Michael Haley's a bit of nonsense. Well, no, not even right. Because that's a guy who can play at the American hockey league level and, and protect the young kids and prevent players from taking liberties on them. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, there's, there's, you know, whether or not you agree with it there, there's something to everything like Erica Branson, that, that trade was not sexy by any means, but you know, well, have, have you seen him? <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a pretty handsome man. gentleman. Yes. 
but having a but having a local kid who or kid christ like having a local guy who uh can maybe even provide a little bit of locker room mentorship for to some of the young players that's an important thing to have oh, uh, and i i didn't make any secrets when i was analyzing that trade that he and i played on the same team for a couple of years growing up so there's definitely the a bit of bias in that but then you know and look you where know we are now yeah exactly <laughs> I, the only reason i got past the first round of cuts in triple a minor midget was it was one of those scrimmage games obviously tendy and where if you get a penalty, it's a penalty shot. And Goody got one of those on me. Takes a slap shot from the hash marks, looking like Sheldon Surrey. I make a glove save, put the puck on the on the ice and tapped it back to him. And the coach is like, love the confidence. We'll keep you one more round. And then two days later, got snipped. Well, you'll have to ask him if he remembers that, if you ever get him on the show. Yeah. F- fellas, this has been a blast. Uh, before we finish up here, I want to do what I've been doing with uh, every one of my Ottawa Senators themed guests or, you know, Twitter people or whoever I've had on over the last few weeks uh, in, in keeping with the theme of positivity that you guys do so well. I want to talk, I want to hear about your favorite Ottawa Senators mem- memories of whether it's a story from going to a game, whether it's a piece of memorabilia that you have, what is the moment that you think of uh, that you look back on and you say, that's why I'm a fan. That's why I've stuck around through all the garbage I've gone through in the last few years. Pilsy, we'll start with you and we'll go to Ross. What's that memory for you? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with how I became a Sens fan. And I mean, if people listen to our, our show, they know I, I've talked about this a bunch of times, but hashtag goalie friendly show. The reason I got into hockey, the reason I fell in love with the sport is Dominic Kasich. I mean, I'll, and I'll be honest, I was a Sabres fan first. I'll, I'll come clean with that. I know, I know you can Ugh. do the face. It's fine. But I saw Donna Kasich play hockey and it was just, there was no rules. And that's, that's what I like. Like all, like sometimes goalies are too structured. They're too focused on being perfect. Stop the puck. I don't care what you look like. Stop the puck. And Dominic, that's what Dominic Kasich did, flopping around, throwing his stick away to pick up the puck with his blocker, diving at Marion Gabrick at the blue line, tripping him up on the breakaway. Make hockey exciting. And that's what Dominic Kasich did. And then he came to the Senators and I thought, you know, I couldn't live with myself if I was a Leafs fan. There's too many garbage Leafs fans in my area. There's no chance I'm a Habs fan. Why not meet in the middle? My favorite player plays there now. It's a Canadian team, the capital of the country. I'm a Sens fan. And obviously Dominic Hasek had uh, pretty good numbers in Ottawa. It's too bad it was only the one season, but it was it was that moment I knew I was going to be a Sens fan. And as, as far as Sens uh, memories go, th- this may be a weird one. It may surprise you, but the one memory that always really stands out for me and I always think of, Dion Phaneuf's overtime goal against Boston. That's when a great he, one. Yeah, it was just so great. And sure, maybe it's not the biggest moment in Sens history or anything like that, but that was a guy who had to overcome a lot. He was the captain of the Leafs and he came to Ottawa for God's sake. And then he scores a big goal and that jump, like that jump for seeing a guy like Dion Phaneuf, a big burly defenseman, just do a little hop like that. Like that was just pure emotion and he couldn't help it. And I, I think I did the same jump, honestly, too. I was watching the game by myself and just, just so fired up about that. And then I'll add another one here at same series, Clark MacArthur scoring that goal. Like yeah. that was just such a good feeling to see uh, Grizz get back in the game and get to have a big moment to kind of ride off into the sunset like that. So those would be two of my favorite moments you know what's funny about that about that series the one macarthur goal i think i'll remember even better than the overtime goal is the one he scored in game two to i think it was to tie the game on the power play 
and he did the celebration where he kind of threw his arms up and, and Guy Boucher said after the game that uh, it was cool to see him lift the city up after that goal and just the awesome. explosion of the crowd. Like it gives me chills even thinking about it after everything that guy went through and, you know, to have him score a big goal like that, see the emotion on his face, hear the crowd like at home too, right? That's yeah. the difference between the, the game winning goal for the series, which was in Boston. Yeah. And then you got people flip, flipping them off on the class as opposed <laughs> to, as opposed to cheering for them. Right. In so, Boston. No way. No, never. And classiest fans on earth. Uh, yeah. Well, Ross, why don't we go to your favorite memory? Uh, I'm sure you've got a couple. Yeah. I was hooked since, since as much as I can remember the Sens played their first game a month after I was born. So I can't really say I was a day one fan, but my dad had season tickets from the start and just, the feeling of walking into the CTC or the Corral center back then, right when you get through that little tunnel and it opens up, like I was hooked right from there. And then you go down and just having like a few interactions with the players when you're a kid, when you're, when you're just up at the glass and warm up, I remember Chris Neal, I traded him a French fry for a puck and I was probably like five years old, but those things stick with you forever. Um, the Sens do an amazing thing. Now it's the casino night they do for their, uh, their season ticket holders. It yeah. used to be called sends at your service dinner where they would all be waiters and on the ice, they would put all the tables and you'd have a table of eight or nine. And turns out our, our server was the Dano Chera and he had a huge <laughs> black eye. He had just fought Eric Goddard, like a six foot seven, six foot nine fight. It was just a heavyweight tilt. And that was on the, ended up being on the cover of the Ottawa citizen the next day, uh, a black eye affair instead of a black tie. And uh, just like little moments, interactions like that. And, I was just absolutely hooked from there and uh, getting to be at the first Stanley cup final game in Ottawa, the only game they won in that series, like th the electricity in that crowd still gives me goosebumps 13 years later. So I was hooked, hooked, hooked in uh, 2007 for sure. Man, that is one of my favorite memories that not a lot of people talk about. That was my first year as a fan. Was oh, Lyndon Sluage doing the anthem and yeah. that game was ridiculous. And I was eight years old. So that was the first game I was allowed to stay up for in the whole series because it was like a Friday night or a Saturday night or something like that. And it was just, I remember watching it and, and Mike Fisher was my hero and he scores the third goal on the gorgeous deflection, Falchenkov. It's course, yeah. a massive goal in the third period. Like that was, I was wearing his Jersey at that game. Oh man. That was such a fun game to watch. Chris Neal's another great guy for fan scored engagement in that too. game. He did. Yeah. I remember I, uh, <laughs> I went to my first game for my birthday that year. My birthday's in September, but we went in November. Uh, I've told the story a million times. They're playing the Bruins, you know, Mike Fisher, Scores the first goal, scores the winning goal. He's the first star of the game. Um, I got to meet him and a bunch of the other players after the game. Um, my brother is a lifelong Leafs fan. And <laughs> I guess he would have been seven years old. Uh, goes into the uh, post-game room to meet the players after the game. He's wearing a Leafs jersey. And he goes up to Chris Neal wearing a Leafs jersey and asks for an autograph on his mini stick. And Neal looks at him and goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Spets, Spetsa too. Spetsa took the stick and said, sure. And he kind of poked him in the belly. He's like, you got to get rid of that shirt though. Nice. Little did he know well, that. Yeah. A little foreshadow. You're right. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was behind the decision to go back <laughs> to Toronto it. was remembering this kid at the Ottawa game <laughs> who had the guts to go into the Senators post game room with a Leafs jersey on guys. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. This has been an absolute treat having you on. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, for my money, you guys are probably the best Ottawa Senators podcast out there right now. So it's been a blast. Uh, please keep up the fantastic work. I think I speak for everyone when I say I've been enjoying the hell out of it. So thank you for coming on today.
dude, that's too kind. And we're really enjoying the internal budget too. And we can't wait until there's actual sense hockey. Like we, we did making sense of the sense before we got picked up by locked on, but now we're on episode 198 of locked on and it's 150 of them since the sends last played. So we're excited to break down real sends games whenever that is. But until then, man, we just got to thank you for the kind words. We're happy to jump on anytime. And you know, we'll ba- have you back on the LOSB soon here too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks so much, Brandon. And yeah, d- too, too kind. And Hey, look, we're, we're trying to grow this community. So doing, doing these kind of pods, having you on our show, you, uh, us coming on your show, that's the kind of stuff we want to do. Yeah. We like, we got a daily sense podcast and we still can't get enough talking sense. So we'll, we'll come back anytime. Absolutely. And anytime you guys want to have me unlocked on, I'm more than happy to do it. Plug the socials while you're here. Uh, get you some more fan engagement. If there's anyone who listens to this podcast that doesn't listen to yours, which would blow my mind. Well, the the Instagram still a work in progress, although Timmy reposting the, the episode on his story got us 100 extra, which was actually hilarious. It certainly helps. Yeah, definitely. So uh, lockedon.senators on Instagram. Like I said, that's under construction. Uh, but every day on Twitter at Send Central, you can find us there. Usually in the replies on Mackie's tweets too. So just click one. There's a definitely. good chance we'll be right there. Put the personal socials, boys. Oh, fine. Okay. At Ross Levitan, and I'm still trying to catch up to Pillsy. I told him I've been too busy <laughs> growing Sense Central, but Pillsy's got me taken. Although <laughs> he can't even get his name as his thing, he had to add a number. Sheesh. Yeah. Hey, I'm at Brandon Pillar One, but oh. uh, I t- I tried to find the the guy who has at Brandon Pillar. I think he's only tweeted like three tweets in 2015 about his what is it one uh, suck one's it and one's pillar (laughs) (laughs) yeah i gotta get on that guy's case maybe i'll uh i'll try to get that name off him but uh yeah you could mostly just follow us at send central ross uh, he runs that page and uh we got a lot of good polls a lot of good pictures a lot of good terrible polls too (laughs) yeah some terrible polls too but just uh yeah comment like anything and uh we'll get the conversation going Folks, make sure you check the guys out on the Twitter and check out the Locked On Senators podcast daily. It is fantastic. It is way better than this one. Why are you listening to this? Can You're they wasting see your us? time. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a video episode. Hola. <laughs> hey, mom. Thanks for coming on, guys. I really do appreciate it. Wave to the camera. Thank you to Ross and Brandon for joining the show today. What a great conversation and a great way to end episode 45 of Internal Budget. Please make sure you go to ogyf.givesmart.com. Get your Sens collectibles before I buy them all up because there is some cool stuff in there. And, of course, like the podcast, share with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, the little things that go a long way and warm Brandon's cold, dead Episode 46 will be coming at you next week. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe, and take care, everybody.